This is Eraf Short Stories, where you hear tales that take science to plausible extremes or reality to the magical. Episode 4, Root, by Devin DeMarco. Welcome back. I'm Judah Mahay, your host. If this is your first time listening, then thank you. And I hope you return to enjoy more of the stories we discover. Our author today, Devin DeMarco, is a recent MFA graduate of Stony Brook, Southampton. Also, after today's episode, you can find show notes with any relevant links at judahmahay.com. If you like what you hear, please review us on iTunes or the Judah Mahay smartphone app. This will help other people find Arrow Short Stories. Now, let the story begin. Root by Devin DeMarco Ah, you cut your hair, Nina's mother said. Nina ran her hands through the bob, fingers naughty and awkward. Yeah, it was easier to manage this way. Her mother was on the window bench in her bedroom, folded into a sunbeam and leaning against a pane. Coldness seeped from the skin of the glass, but her mother didn't seem to care, even though her shoulders were bare, and her skin looked more permeable than usual thin and leathery at the same time. I liked it when it was long. You look like you had a whole forest on your head. Does it look bad? Well, I'm sure your father will like it. Nina's mother looked away, her own severely short hairstyle barely swaying with the movement. Nina watched her mother shift. She moved in strange ways, slow, like she wasn't moving at all. You couldn't see the muscles working under her skin. But then, without you realizing it, her motion was complete, and she was in a whole new place. Something crunched underneath Nina's foot. A dead oak leaf? Shattered at the mere suggestion of pressure. A sparse mosaic of oak leaves covered the floor, brown and flattened. Seconds from dissolving into soil... She picked one up. How do these things keep getting into here? Her mother shrugged. Search me. I don't think we even have any oak trees around here. One of life's little mysteries. Nina's mother's head tilted to the side, whirling in a slow motion. She looked young, Nina suddenly realized. Really young wilted and worn, orphan-worn. Like if Nina brushed her hand across her mother's cheek, soot would come away on her fingers. So, how's the coast? Her mother asked as Nina sat down beside her, the gesture considerably gentle to the point of being insulting. She kept her feet on the floor. They were dirty. She'd probably track in the dirt. She hoped she'd tracked in the dirt. Pretty good. Colder. But it's okay. And school? Nina pulled her fist up in a half-hearted cheer. Go, Tartans! Her mother laughed, reaching out a blighty, veiny hand. She broke off a spike from a nearby aloe plant and brushed it across Nina's cheek. It left a slimy smear behind. My brilliant daughter... Now that you're so educated, where will that leave us little people? 
Nina laughed, but only because she thought it was expected. Nina's mother smiled, letting her know she'd heard the fakeness, but appreciated the gesture all the same. Then she leaned back against the glass and closed her eyes. The skin of her eyelids greenish. She hummed a strange little hum, less of a buzz and more of a rush, like wind through leaves. Nina looked at the aloe plant, which its wounds shoot, slowly oozing succulent. Hey, Mom, why don't you come with me? Hmm? Oh, your, your dad will probably want to take you back. I'll hold down the fort here. No, I mean, she wiped the owl off her cheek. I mean, for good, to live over there. Her mother frowned. What do you mean? Well, you're from that area, right? I thought you might want to go back. That you might have family that you'd... Nina, moving far away isn't the end of the world. We don't have to be with you every moment of your adult life. No, not for me, for you! Nina stood up and paced the walls a blue blur of phlegm and green. I mean, you've been in this goddamn house for as long as I can remember. Why? It's not like you're growing out of the floor. Nina, her mother said, in you'll understand when you're older voice. We live here. We can't just uproot and leave whenever we want. Nina sighed, wilting. She flopped onto the couch next to her mother. You know, there's a tree in South America called the walking palm. Its roots grow toward sunlight, so it moves across the rainforest floor. That's interesting. They sat silent for a bit. Nina's mother scooted over so Nina could share the sunbeam. It felt nice, getting more solid the longer she sat in it. She could feel her cells gobbling it up. And deep in the house, from somewhere she'd never been able to pin down, a deep pulse thrummed into her bones. I thought, she said, unable to stop the words from floating out, I thought once I went to college that you and Dad would, that you'd leave. That won't happen, her mother said, but it didn't sound like a reassurance so much as a resignation. Your father needs me. You don't need him. I do, she said. He has my heart. Nina sat across from her father, watching him munch on a strip of cold bacon. You know, she said, people weren't meant to eat so much meat. Maybe only once or twice a week. Sure, he said, ripping another bite off. Meat used to be expensive, she continued trying to forget the sound of Roasted muscle fibers snapping. So it used to be that families would only get to eat meat a few times a month. The first helping would go to the head of the household, the man, right? Then if there was any left, it would go to the children. Then if there's any after that, the mother. Well, times have changed. I guess. Nina looked away. The kitchen was bursting with a jungle of potted plants covering every surface, and so was every other room in the house. Nina's mother had a green thumb, and she grew everything that would tolerate growing indoors. Nina always thought it was 
sort of strange that our mother didn't start an actual garden. They have plenty of lawn. You know, Dad, bacon isn't very good for you. Oh, it isn't, is it? I don't think I've ever seen you eat anything green. <laughs> he just coughed and went back to reading his newspaper. Nina was pretty sure he was reading the same headline over and over. Nina turned her focus to a petunia on the table. This particular blossom she remembered very well. It was at least as old as her, even though she was pretty sure petunias were supposed to be annuals, and she never caught it wilting or drooping. Now, though, the leaves had a tinge of brownish crisp on the edges, and the petals had wrinkled ever so slightly. Why is the petunia still here? Her father looked up. Where else would it be? It's here when I left for school. He swallowed his last bite of bacon. Do you expect it to get up and walk away? No, but Mom likes to move it around. She looked around the room. Actually, aren't all these plants in the same place they were when I left? He looked up, his eyes flicking around too quickly to actually see anything. I guess. Why hasn't she moved them? He shrugged. She stays up in her room a lot. Nina poked the soil with the petunia. Crunchy. No give. Has she been watering them? I don't know. Have you been watering them? No. Nina sighed and poured the rest of the orange juice into the petunia. Her father folded the newspaper until the material wouldn't fold any smaller. Then he looked up at Nina. So, how's school? I'm doing research on folklore, dryad selkies. Is that for a paper? There's a Japanese folktale. Man rescues a crane. Later, a strange woman appears. They get married. The woman weaves these amazing silk robes, but she says the man can never watch her weaving them. What's your paper going to be on? Eventually, she gets sicker and sicker, but the man keeps demanding that they have more silk to sell. One day he gets curious and decides to walk in on his wife while she's weaving her silk. Made any friends? And he sees the crane he rescued sitting on the loom, plucking out its own feathers to weave into silk. Have you made any friends? There's a lot of stories out there about something being one thing and another thing at the same time, like Anansi, African folklore. He was a spider and a man both. We don't really have that concept in our culture, so it's hard to really understand. But I'm getting close. Her father slapped the table. The petunia jumped, drooping a little more as it settled back down. Even the oak leaves on the floor shivered. Are you listening to me? He shouted, his face red and fleshy. The sound of motion came faintly from upstairs. Are you listening to me? Just because you're in goddamn college. It's not for a paper. I've made a few friends. They all have best friends back where they come from. School is going fine. Go Tartans. Her father breathed through his nose. The air going in wet puffs like an animal. Then he settled back into his chair and pointedly unfolded his newspaper, shaking out the creases. His hands clutched the edge tightly, the kind of hands that held and locked and crushed. Nina didn't understand her parents. They weren't the talking types, communicating to each other 
on some wavelength underneath human speech. Sometimes Nina sat in the living room while her mother cooed to her plans. Every so often she'd pluck an almost bloom off a vine and stick it between Nina's ears, ruffling up her hair until it was bramble. And sometimes Nina's father would walk in the room and he'd stand there watching them like he'd never expected to see them there. And in that room, in that house, although Nina had no idea where he'd expect them to be. What are you doing to her, Sylvia? He'd say. Nothing. I think she looks nice. She looks wild. Can't I be both? Nina would ask. Her mother would laugh. A rushed, quivering sound. Her father would stomp over and fix her hair, throwing the flower to the ground, and she'd gotten older. Nina had learned to fix it herself when she heard him stomp through the house. He could be rough, pulling out chunks of hair in his effort to straighten it. Nina would often wonder what her father had been like at her age. They'd have been friends, probably, but not real friends. Next-door friends. Once she walked into her parents' bedroom expecting its usual midday emptiness. She wanted to try on her mother's necklaces. Her father was always buying her jewelry, and she was always not wearing it. Nina was alone in the house. Mostly alone, anyways. Her mother was pruning her plants, and that took hours of undivided attention. Her father was at work, or he was supposed to be. There he was on the bed. His bones fell over each other in broken angles. His face was red. Big round sobs filled the air. Deep-chested crying that filled up all of his broadness. Clutched in his hands was a strange little knot about the size of Nina's hands. Clutching each other, viny veins crisscrossed the shape, shot through his spade-tipped leaves. It moved in his hands, slow, muscled movements that she almost didn't see, an expanding and a deflation constant as breath that wouldn't still under her father's tight fingers. The sound of it pushed at the air, moving it in bursts past Nina's ears. What's that? she asked, child stealth overcome by curiosity. Quickly stifling sobs, a brush against air as the knot disappeared from sight and the door was slammed against her face. What happened? Nina's mother asked that evening noticing the bruise around her eyes. My face hit a door. What? How? Did you trip? No. Daddy closed it and hit me. What? Nina had hoped that it'd be enough, enough information. She'd yet to learn that secrets could be lies, not just omissions. He was crying. I didn't think he wanted to see me. Nina's mother sunk to her knees, looking Nina right in the eyes, full force mother stare. Why was your daddy crying? I don't know, Nina said, feeling the rush of relief that comes with truth-telling. But he was holding something. I don't, I think it was made of wood, and it made this sound. And that was all that needed to be heard. 
Nina's mother left the room, the air filling the vacuum where she'd been crouched. It made Nina's ears pop. Then came the sound that Nina couldn't quite remember. When she tried, the noises would shift and warp. One second, they'd be an elephant crashing against trees. The next, they'd be the sound of her own underwater heartbeat as a wave knocked her feet away and spun her breath into salt water. And then the next, it'd be thunder so loud it ascended into silence. She did remember hiding, following the childish instincts to burrow away into some space that was small enough only for her. She was unsought, and when she'd crawled out, it could have been a day later, or it could have been five minutes. It made no difference to children. The house was ruined. Couches were unstuffed. Light switches were ripped from the wall. Plants lay gasping, their pots shattered. Everything in the house was on the floor, out in the open, nowhere to hide. But there was an itch in the air, a little pulse that pushed at the back of her neck, just loud enough for her to hear, but not loud enough to find. Now that she heard it, the sound was maddening. She wondered if her parents heard it all the time, too. The next day, when the three of them were silently cleaning the mess together, Nina had found a dead oak leaf on the floor, brown and brittle. She found at least one every day since. You are right. This place is nice. I told you. You did. You did tell me. When will I learn to listen to you? When I get my PhD, I think. Nina's mother laughed, her bones pressing up against her skin. Nina could see the whirls in them, the knobby bits begging to branch out. Yeah. I think you need those papers before I can take you seriously. That's going to be a, a wait of about eight years and $120,000. That's nothing. Just a blink away. You wait. Time goes quick. Nina's mother sat back against the window inside, closing her eyes. Her movements have gone slower, stiffer, more stubborn, like redwoods and storms. She dug her knobby toes into the foot bath that Nina prepared. It was filled with warm, sludgy mud. Nina told her she'd brought it back from an East Coast aromatherapist, all filled with antioxidants and vitamin G and essential oils. But really, it was just mud from holes she dug outside. There were probably still worms in it. She sighed. It's been ages since I've eaten... Nina, Nina's dad looked up. He was sitting on the bed looking through old photo albums. Where was that? He asked. Nothing, dear. Nina laughed, her chest filling up with the deep, thrumming noise of the house. She'd been so happy to get away from it, but then she ended up missing it. Isn't that always how it went? when she didn't ever remember it being this slow, this regular, a drunken drumbeat. The afternoon light gushed from the window, yellow and delicious. It's a nice day outside, isn't it? Nina asked. Yes. Yes, it is. You want to go outside? Nah, that's okay. Nina leaned against her mother's knee, tracing the greenish veins. Why not? Her mother reached down and ruffled her hair up, sticking a flower bud from who knows where behind her ear. 
There we go. Still a little wild, Nina smiled. I'm no houseplant, huh? No, you're too mighty for that. Am I a tree? Definitely. A cypress, or a baobab, maybe a maple. She picked at Nina's short hair. Although you're a little prickly, an evergreen. An evergreen it is. An evergreen without a PhD. You'll get there. Trees live a long time, she tweaked Nina's nose, a childhood gesture that Nina had forgotten about. My little sapling. Nina's father made a noise from the bed, the sound that says, I've been listening to you two, and now I want you to be aware of it. What is it, dear? asked Nina's mother. Oh, is it that your mother's old album? Bring it here. I want to show Nina. I've seen it before, Mom. And you'll see it again. You come home to do free laundry. You humor your mother when she wants to be nostalgic. That's the rule. Nina's father stood up a small movement for some, but her father didn't make small movements and sat next to her mother on the bench. Her mother didn't lean away from him or towards him. Her mother flipped a page and showed Nina a sepia-toned photograph of a boy nestled in the crook of an oak branch. He was skinny-legged, all gangly and limb. But Nina could see the blueprints of her father's large frame underneath the psychedelically mustard shirt. This is one of my favorites, her mother said. Mine too, said her father. He loved that tree. Nina knew that. But this was the first time anyone actually told her. Did you know him then? Very well. Nina looked at the picture. The branches seemed to curl towards the smiling boy. And did the tree love him? I like to think so, said her father. So the boy loved the tree, and the tree loved the boy. Nina said, closing her eyes and imagining being cradled in a weave of branches, watching the sun skitter across the leaves. Kind of like the giving tree. Her father smiled, a forced smile. A little like that. A tiny laugh from her mother. Exactly like that. Nina sighed and leaned back against her mother's knee. The mud from the foot bath smelled good, cold and clean. She tried to ignore the weakened beat that shivered through the floorboards. Do you know warships used to be made with wood from the center of the tree? It's the strongest part of it. The British referred to it as the heart of the oak. I knew that, said her mother. Me too, said her father. The evening sun had stretched to the bed, and Nina's mother had followed it, not bothering to clean the mud off her feet. As far back as Nina could remember, her mother had slept and risen with the sun. And now that the autumn sun was tinted with sleepy orange, it wouldn't be long until her mother was dead to the world. How long are you staying? Her mother asked, eyes closed and with breath shallow. Just until Sunday. Fall break isn't very long. It, it, it was nice of you to come. You didn't have to. It's okay. I missed you. Not so much this place, but you. Her mother cracked open an eye. And your father? Yeah. Nina stopped, thought. Yeah, I guess him too. 
I think the distance will help you two get along. I don't want you two to grow apart after I'm gone. Why would you say something like that? Nina's mother didn't say anything. She just put out her arm in a fluid motion, like the wind had pushed it. Nina took the invitation and snuggled up next to her. She listened for her mother's heartbeat, but she couldn't hear it. Had she ever heard it? You got something in your hair, she said, and plucked a dry acorn from a mother's head. Thanks, dear. Hey, Mom, if you could be anywhere in the world, where would you want to be? Oh, nowhere special. Just somewhere green and sunny, where there's a quiet stillness, but also a hundred thousand voices telling stories and singing, and just that for a while. Sounds nice. I think so. What about you, dear? I want to go everywhere. She waited for a response, but her mother had fallen asleep, so she just curled up against her mother's brittle frame and listened to the slow rivers of her xylem and phlegm and tried not to count the length of seconds between the faraway pulse. The plants in the living room were brown and dead. Nina checked the kitchen table, and even the pansy had wilted noticeably. A carpet of brown oak leaves crackled under her feet. Dad, why don't you clean this up? He moved nervously behind her, his feet never landing on a leaf. I just, I thought, they're your mother's. It doesn't matter. They're dead. The wind blew through the open door, slamming against Nina's back. It was cold and dry. Winter was slowly creeping in. It's your fault, you know, he said. Don't say that. Ever since you left, she's got nothing left. Nina wanted to scream, but she just stayed silent, watching him, letting his red anger burn away his oxygen and turn to heaving sobs, chest-deep sobs. It felt wrong to hear them. These were private sounds. Why am I not enough? He asked, his voice wet and heavy. Why was I never enough? I, I don't think it's as complicated as that, Nina said. I love her. Nina looked at her father, wide, round, animal. Not enough, apparently, she said. Nina lounged in the room of dead plants, soaking up whatever sunlight was bouncing off the full moon. The dead plant smelled like soil, and if she closed her eyes, she could imagine she wasn't in the awful brownish room. No, she was lost in some deep, warm forest, at the time of night when absolutely everything was silent. She drifted in that floaty place between wake and sleep, where the body is the suggestion of a thing, and the mind only works in quick, jumping tangents. Footsteps hit the floor, carving through Nina's silence. Her father stood in the threshold back from whatever he'd been. She surfaced slightly from her half-sleep, but not enough to greet him or wonder what he was doing. He held the shape, a vine-vein knot, and even though Nina was half-asleep, she could understand what her child self had it. It was a wooden heart, 
Its pulsing movements were weaker, slower, but her father's hands were open now, letting it move. The sound was louder now. Thump, thump, vibrating the room with a deep thrum. She wondered how something so small could sound so strong. And then she didn't wonder anything because she was asleep. Nina knew the sun was autumn gold before she woke up. She could feel it warming the center of her bones, soaking into her cells and sending little zinging rushes up and down her limbs. Light danced behind her closed eyes. There was a pressure at the center of her forehead, the footprint of a kiss, heavy in her skin. She sat up, limbs pleasantly wooden. The air around her was green with the spread of new growth. The brown plants have perked and budded. The pansy was hovering over her, bright and haughty. She gave it an affectionate little flick. The thump, thump was gone, at least not in the house. But the air outside vibrated, singing with its new heartbeat. She walked out onto the front stoop, half noticing the oak leaves on the carpet had disappeared. Her father was sitting outside, clutching a cup of coffee and staring off into the woods. Nina sat down next to him. She's gone, isn't she? He didn't answer. She stretched her feet out, digging her bare toes into the dirt. Do you know there are some oak trees with root systems that spread out for hundreds of miles? She said. We think they're only in one place, but they're really in more places than we could ever be. They're probably an oak tree two states over that's underneath us right now. He let out a noise that wasn't a sob, but wasn't a laugh either. What's your point? She looked up at the sky. If you followed my roots, she said, they would wrap around the world. Thank you for listening to Root by Devin DeMarco. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate us on iTunes. Or if you listen from the smartphone app, you can leave a review on the App Store. This will help other people find us. Just as a reminder, show notes are at judamhay.com. We hope you return to discover new worlds and ideas outside our current reality. Good night and good day whenever and wherever you might have found us. A heartfelt thank you from Aeroff Short Stories.